5-4-3-2-1. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about CMOs today. We're going to be talking about direct mail. So let's get underway. And first we'll start off with J.J. Watt for Miller Beer. Here we go. 99 packs of Miller Lite in our house. Didn't read the fine print of my deal. It's affecting my life. I can't find my wife. Someone please help me give away all this beer. Okay, so... <laughs> so, uh... There you go. <laughs> Apparently his wife was a really great soccer player. And, uh... Anyway, he's from Pewaukee, Wisconsin, so we're going to get into that in a minute. So Miller Lite drafts J.J. Watt as brand's new football partner, and there he is with all his beer. Uh, the new face of Miller Lite's football program and uh, the former defensive end for the Houston Texans and the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, what about the Wisconsin Badgers? I put this picture into the article. <laughs> it wasn't there before. <laughs> There he is at the Rose Bowl, 2011, a heartbreaker against TCU, where we went for two to tie the game at the end and didn't make it. The pass got swatted down, and it was one of those games where, uh, you know, they'd run the ball up the middle. The TCU was on their heels. Why pass it? I don't know. But anyway, those decisions, you know, get get made. I included a really great article about J.J. Watt coming back to Wisconsin because he's from Pewaukee, which is about mm, three miles east of here, four, the edge of it anyway. Pewaukee Lake is not far at all. As the crow flies, it's, yeah, maybe less. Uh, and um, he comes back to Wisconsin quite a bit, I guess. He said he'd like to like to settle here. And uh, his wife's from Utah, I guess, and part Hawaiian. Anyway, so um, now that we've corrected the record here, that he's a former Wisconsin Badger, and there's a really good story. I didn't, re I didn't realize all of this, but he went to Central Michigan, and he was playing tight end, and, uh, but he really, really wanted to go to the Badgers. He'd gone to a Badger game where they beat Michigan at the end at the very last minute, and he told his... He told his mom and dad that he wanted to come back to to he wanted to play for Wisconsin, but the Wisconsin Badgers mm, said he was too small to play tight end, and uh, but anyway, he somehow he got hooked up with the defensive coach at Wisconsin, and um, and. His coach from Pewaukee, you know, had talked him up that he just had a great work ethic, ethic, and so he quit Central Michigan with a scholarship and went to Wisconsin without any scholarship, uh, working spring and summer and stuff to pay tuition and um, made the practice squad or something like that. And he used to sit with the defensive coach at, at Madison and he would go over films. And the defensive coach says that there were a few a few players in his career that helped him be a better coach. And so um, J.J. was one of those. And uh, 
Really, really good story. I'll I'll put it in the show notes, which is available at WDMA.org. After every show, we got the show notes up there. They're in the members-only area, so you have to subscribe. It's free. But if you're from Wisconsin and you care about Wisconsin, you should get this article. Okay, and the other ones are good, too. I bought a lot of stuff in here today. Anyway, so he's. I think he did a, a bang-up job. I watched the other. Uh, they said... They said uh, they said he wasn't as good an actor as some of these other people. <coughs> the Bud Light one is just a religion commercial on the religion of NFL football. I'm more of a college fan anyway. NFL isn't a real sport. It's it's officially incorporated as an entertainment venue, which is what I believe. <laughs> Anytime you've got as many officials as each team has players on the field, uh, it's not a real sport. But anyway, here's the... Here's a really good uh, article uh, when he came back to Lambeau and some other stuff. Okay, here's a good article by Sandy Hubbard. How to get the most out of your chief, chief marketing officer. And uh, this is good for any company. really is. And it says, many CMOs are not working to their potential or ability. Uh, it's partly the mindset. A big problem as a marketing advisor, Sandy, and I've seen this, I, I normally get called in by either the IT department or the finance department or the CEO. I don't get called in by the marketing people. Partly because, as I've said before, marketing doesn't always want accountability, right? And oftentimes the owner or the CEO wants to know if these guys really know what they're doing. And a lot of times they don't, I have to say. I don't know how to put that any any more straight than that, but that's the reality of it. And uh, so marketing is viewed in by owners and leadership as a commodity, um, as a nuisance here, Sandy says. Marketing as a nuisance, right. And uh, they don't see a direct connection between, between top-line revenue and expense marketing expense what is the connection between the two okay and that marketing expense looms large often one of the largest you know you figure if your marketing budget is 10% of your revenue something like that some number just probably you know it's probably not that bad a way to figure it there, there's many formulas but that's a good one and uh, you know when times get tough and belts get tightened you look at that, so let's say you're a $10 million company and you got a million dollars in marketing and maybe sales and marketing, you know. Um, so let's say a half a million in marketing and uh, and 5% in sales. You know, it's easy to look at that number and say, what the heck is that number? In fact, we lost one of our favorite accounts and they told us later, this, the VP of marketing told us that it was because we had a $15,000 expense every month never mind that we more than made that up in extra profits but the cfo didn't look at it that way and didn't like you know they could bury it with their list company you know they did merge purge and they did database hygiene and they and they did rented lists out of uh wyland and out of uh axiom and axiom would do models and they could hide them you know and that's the way it is um it's just a list expense. We can't cut that out. But that modeling expense, man, oh, man, never mind. We learned a lot. But, you know, that didn't translate from the top line to the bottom line down in there. That gap 
is what give, what takes away the credibility. And why? Because we don't test. We don't show the incremental lift of the model, right? That's it. And with a sim with a similar company, a little bit smaller, um, we did we did a we did a, a uniques test where you model you take the model and pick the certain number of names they want to mail and you take the RFM or whatever methodology or Wyland or whatever, and what you find is which one contributed the most good names and got rid of the most bad names. And when you compare the uniques, there, there's a lot of common names. When you compare the uniques, you get the incremental lift, and that's how you do it on a, uh, a modeling basis. But anyway, um, teams get fed up when projects are green-lighted and amber-lighted and then no-go. And why? Well, I tell you, it's because. It's because of the P&L. It's not hard to know. What's interesting is that that same company that fired us because we were an obvious line item in the P&L, uh, or in the expenses anyway, that same company, uh, I was told before I got there that they didn't test hardly at all. And because they didn't because the CFO would say, well, you know, if we mail half the circulation, you know, the control and the other half the test, and if the test loses, or even if the test wins and the control loses, well, that's lost profit. Lost revenue, lost profit. That that incremental difference between the A and the B is money we could have we could have made. You should have mailed all the all the best one. But how did you know, right? So the and the CFO typically will pull that kind of shenanigans, where they're asking you to be to to read the tea leaves, see the future, um, because their numbers add up, but the marketing numbers don't add up because. Marketing is trying to guess the future. That's the bottom line on it, and that's why we test. Because we're also trying to build a, a bridge, a connection, a causal link between doing A and seeing B result. And when we get that with repeated tests, repeated observations, hypothesis, experiment, and then explanation, when we get that, we get a theory. We get a theory that it's better to put something real on the cover Look at this, Williams-Sonoma. got this yesterday. Williams-Sonoma with Stanley Tucci. Now, I happen to be a pretty big fan of Stanley Tucci. I loved him in Midsummer Night's Dream and also The Devil Wears Prada. Um, I just think, you know, he does a really great job. And he's apparently a big Italian cook. And they've got a line of pots. So I actually read it. Um, I don't think much of this catalog format with unreadable type. I would love to get... An A-B split with these guys because they, you know, without taking away from the storytelling, that is basically storytelling like we were talking about yesterday. There's no way I would I would watch a video about Stanley Tucci cooking, but when it comes in the mail, there's nothing else to look at. You know, I was fascinated enough to see what Green Pan and William Sonoma and Stanley had to do with each other. Uh, but anyway, so marketing gets frustrated because... Yeah, almost every client I've ever worked with, it's like, well, we'll do this many this time. Well, what about the, can I have the overview of the entire circulation? No. Nope. Verboten. So marketing starts at the top. Empower the CEO. Fund the department, not just projects. Now, there there you go. See? See? The CFO that didn't want testing was looking at the each individual line item within the marketing budget. 
and saying, well, we don't know if this is worthwhile and, and, and complained about it every time. And eventually we got fired because of that, because of the CFO. Um, There's some other things. It wasn't as black and white as that. He wasn't a bad guy. Um, strengthen the C-suite value within the, the organization. Uh, integrate with the board. There's some really good stuff in this bottom part here where assign the CMO to one of, one of the old board members for mentoring and reporting. You know, get real reports. But the biggest thing I'd like to see is more, um, and this is down in the bulk of this somewhere, I would like to see more uh, data on sales, retention, and recapture. What's your retention rates? What are the digital versus the print? Right. And this article is written. Sandy wrote it from the perspective of a CMO at a print company. I don't think I've ever met a CFO. I mean, a CMO from a print company. Most of them don't have them. <laughs> I would say the vast, 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 vast majority don't have any CMO title. You know, maybe quad graphics does. Um, but what what the CMO should be working at mainly, I think, is teaching the print clients how to test their printing. And I've said this to Bradley uh, Krieger at uh, at Direct, Mar Direct Mail 2.0 and David David uh, Rosendahl and uh, and Rettinger is a big believer in that. He teaches his clients why mail is working and and shows them how it works. That's what a CMO at a print company should be focused on. Should be focused on teaching the CMO at the client company how to measure their mail. Well, that's probably enough for today. I'm trying to keep these shorter, and I actually wanted to thank everybody for the retweets and likes on my on my uh, on my YouTube short. We're gonna try and do those more often. I'll get better at it as I go. So I'm gonna take the rants out of here, and I'm gonna try and put those up for you who actually want to watch this. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.